Hello again, everyone. You're listening to Season 3 of Through the Eyes of a Therapist podcast. I'm your host, Crystal Martinez-Acosta, licensed professional counselor, board-certified therapist. Quick update. I had my baby. Thank you all for your patience and your loyalty and well wishes during this time of transition for me. My baby boy is healthy and he loves his sleep just like his mom. If you have any questions about us or if you have newborn parenting tips, please send them to us at hello at throughtheeyesofatherapist.org. Today's episode features Andrea Rios, LPC, and myself having a conversation about 13 reasons why season number one. The idea for this episode came from us talking on our lunch break, discussing the show's impact on real clients. We knew we had to record this, so be forewarned, if you have not seen 13 Reasons, there are tons of spoilers in this episode. Also, trigger warning, if you don't want to hear about strong or heavy content or controversial topics like suicide and assault, please skip this episode. Listener discretion is advised. Here we go. Today's episode is going to be about... 13 Reasons Why, and we're going to start off discussing Season 1. I have a special guest with me today, and her name is Andrea Rios, and I'm going to let her introduce herself to us. So, hello everyone. I'm, I'm Andrea Rios. I'm a licensed professional counselor at a local agency I'm working with children and their families, and um, Crystal has graciously invited me to her podcast so how this discussion came about, I think, is because one day we were talking at lunch or something about mm. 13 Reasons Why and how it has, like, some potentially triggering content. And then we were like, maybe we should record an episode about it and talk about it. And then Andrea's like, I've seen all the episodes. And I'm like, <laughs> yes. Yeah, because surprisingly, at that time... I think the people who were sitting with us hadn't seen it or hadn't watched the whole thing. Or, uh-huh. And right? then the, um, it also came up that season three is coming out soon. And so mm-hmm. that's why. Yeah. And we're like, we need to catch up and like release an episode on season one and then mm-hmm. maybe season two and then three when it comes out. If we can handle it or like <laughs> if we want to continue watching it. So, um... We're going to get started with just a short discussion about the background. Just for those of you who maybe haven't seen 13 Reasons Why, um, 13 Reasons Why was, if I'm not mistaken, released in 2017. Yes, it was released in March 2017, I believe. Uh So a little more than two years ago at this point, and it was released on Netflix. Mm Mm-hmm which we know is like an online streaming service where you have to pay monthly and you get content that maybe would not otherwise be shown like on non-cable or even cable television, right? Because they have like certain Netflix specials or... Yes. And so um, even though it is in a streaming service, it's important to note that Netflix is easily available to... A lot of people, and a lot of people have subscriptions or share subscriptions, mm-hmm. and so that's important to know. Right, because, like, you can have up to, like, three people or four people on an account or something. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, like, a household can have it, but if somebody else has the password, they then can just can access t- it. 
you can stream it enough to like board te- televisions at the same time. Oh my gosh, yeah. And it's relatively inexpensive, right? I mean, right. cuz if you um, subscribe to like satellite or cable, it's like 80, 90, 100 dollars a month. And, like, Netflix is, like, 12 or 13 bucks or something. Right. You all know what Netflix is. But the point we're trying to make is that 13 Reasons Why, it sounds like maybe it has really strong content that wouldn't be shown, like, on a regular television, like, service or, like, non-cable daytime TV. (laughs) I think during our conversation at lunch, um, it came up as the platform right was Netflix and it was surprising because a lot of the other shows like Girls on HBO or Shameless on Showtime has very strong content but those are less accessible streaming services right than Netflix mm-hmm. they're less accessible maybe they're more expensive or they're separate so we keep mentioning strong content so some of the things that i remember from season 1 and we can kind of just list them are like, um, like sexual assault, obviously suicide, mm-hmm. bullying, bullying, anything that could possibly go wrong with like a group of people or a group of teenagers. Mm-hmm. So like car accidents and deaths and like. I think there was also um, some alluding to gun violence at, um, in the first season. Mm-hmm. Like I think it was like the last episode, something like that by one of the characters. Havoc has broken out in this high school community with a bunch of teenagers that all know each other and are all kind of connected somehow either socially or maybe they start off as acquaintances and then they kind of have these continual run-ins with each other Um, and it creates this like domino effect where everything just gets like magnified right yeah so so everyone is impacted in some way somehow by all of these events and all of this boys club culture that is also depicted in the in the show right like the athletes like kind of just Uh getting away with whatever they want to do or just things like that yeah partying alcohol drugs like all kinds of stuff like that popular kids the not so popular like the nerds the outcast Mm -hmm. and so the content might be realistic on some level, but I feel like maybe they exaggerated it. I don't know how you what you think of that. I feel like these things do happen, not necessarily all at the same time, all at the same school, but these are all things that have happened at different high schools at different points in time. And so I think what the show tried to portray were all these all the bad things that could happen in a high school. They just put it all together in one school year, like sophomore junior year in high school which was a lot (laughs) yeah they got all the bad things that could possibly ever happen and put them all in a blender Mm -hmm. and created a show (laughs) yes so yeah i think uh the content is pretty strong i think the rating is like mature audiences only yes but then we get back to the question of like accessibility right like parental controls on netflix Mm -hmm. um they're so easily bypassed I didn't even know you could do that (laughs) on Netflix. Yes. (laughs) So you can, like, put parental controls and then maybe, I mean, really tech-savvy teenagers could, like, figure out how to go into the settings and then do it. Like, go into the main profile and just remove the 
the on and off switch, basically. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't even have to be a teenager. It could be, like, a child Correct. who's, like, mm-hmm. curious and, like, wants to unlock stuff, and they just do it. Even as young as 9 or 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So... As far as Netflix being the platform for the show, I mean, two years later, looking at it in hindsight after watching season one, maybe not the best idea, right? I would say so. Maybe (laughs) not the best idea. Not the best streaming service. Maybe if Netflix had, like, a separate type of... uh, Because it's an original series of Netflix, and so, like, the content is good, just not for the audience, that was targeted, I believe, or not, like, maybe within the adult, with adult supervision, it would have been better. Yeah. Just because it was so um, easily accessible to children ages 10 and up. Yeah. And so we're left with that question, like, who's with the kids when they're watching the show? Right. Or were they supposed to be watching it in the first place? Or what's going on? Exactly. It makes me think of, like, my own Netflix account. Because right now I had just opened it and closed it. And it has, like, mine and then my husband's and then another account. Mm-hmm. And then it has, like, an automatic, like, kids one that was just, like, created for kids, I guess. I think it's automatic. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I'm like, I didn't create that. Like, I don't have kids yet. I mean, I'm pregnant now. But I don't have, like, children mm-hmm. where I would have created that. So I wonder... If Netflix maybe would consider, like, creating a little account, like, separate, like, adult supervision only or mature audiences only, like, making it its own category so that, like, it's somehow, like, protected content? I don't know. Yes. Even if it would be, like, at an extra fee, Mm -hmm. I think that would make it a little less accessible. Yeah. Just, like, um... Like, we talked about, like, Showtime and, like, HBO Max and all these things, all these extra... Right, like, it's H- It's not just HBO, it's HBO Max. Or like, HBO, Na- HBO Now, or, I don't know, like, there's, like, mm-hmm. different types. Right, right. And so... I think that would be a good idea. I mean, like, and then they can get more money. Like, I mean, <laughs> we're giving them ideas. Like, they should just hire us. <laughs> um, but... I think, yeah, so it it also goes back to the question of, so that's how it's related to the content, right? And then how that strong content should maybe be monitored or, like, more protected. Mm -hmm. But then it also connects to um, the intended audience versus, like, who's actually consuming the content. True. Right? So, like, maybe the intended audience, what would you guess it would be? Based on watching the show, um... I would say it was, like, high school students. Okay, so, like, the target audience was, like, high school students, even though it is really young strong adults. content. Like, young adults. Anywhere between the ages of 15 to, like, 23, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, driver's license, like, age. Like, right. right. Before you can rent a car, age. Yes. Um, college kids. Mm-hmm. So, or people who are in college, young adults, right? So, like, maybe 16 to 25 or whatever that little gap is. Yes. But like we said, because there's not really a really strong way to protect the content, like, anybody could probably get it. Um, And I don't think it just has to do with age. I think that there needs to be some consideration... I don't know who it needs to be. I don't know if it needs to be Netflix or if it needs to be, like, parents and caregivers... But I have, you know, 
clients that I've encountered who are like in that age gap, like 17, 18, talking to me about the content on the show and talking about how it triggered them or like made them remember stuff that they had previously already processed. The thing about supervision and being careful with who consumes the content is not just based on age. Right. It's also maturity level mm-hmm. and with their own experiences and what they've experienced, what they've lived in the past and if any of that could be triggering. And I think in that way, you're right. It doesn't matter the age. You could be an adult. Yeah, you could be. And like... 30, 40 years old and watch this and just um, be triggered by some event. Right. As an example, like, even when I was watching the show, I don't know if I was triggered, but I thought, wow, this is really sensitive content. And I think because for the past, like, five years or so, I've worked with so many kids and young adults and families who have gone through, in real life... Um, some of the things related to the strong content. So, like, people who have been sexually assaulted or people who have attempted suicide or have had people die by suicide in their circle of friends or families. And so to kind of see it, like, lived out by actors on TV and, like, in a really graphic way, I was like, whoa, like, it's just hard, I think, to understand how that's... It's fake, Right? But they made it so realistic that it's like, this could actually happen or has happened to some of the people I've known, you know? It's so hard. I don't know. Like you said, it is fictional. It's based on on a book. And then now Mm -hmm. they've added the series and there's writers on the team now. But they're doing a really... They're doing a very accurate job at some of the presentations um, that these assaults have happened or, like, some of the experiences, like, um, some of the denial, some of the stages of grief at the beginning of the in the first season mm-hmm. that we see um, one of the main characters, Clay. He goes through, like, three stages of grief. I think working with families and children who have gone through something similar it was very impacting because we listen to these stories and they're real stories of real people and to actually put an image to it it's like Mm -hmm. you're reliving that experience yeah and you can't help but somehow connect it to what you've heard right because we're only human right Mm -hmm. yeah and that's just how our brains work we categorize and we associate and it's like I remember that story that client told me, and oh my god, there it is on 13 Reasons Why. Like, oh my goodness. So it's it's pretty realistic. Yeah, you're right. They did a... Uh, uh, I don't want to say a good job, but I feel like they did accurately, like, portray... Yes. Like, what could possibly happen. Because um, these things are possible, but it's just really um, sensationalized. Like we said, put in a blender and, like put out into a series (laughs) yes yeah glamorized somewhat and i think Mm -hmm. um that was one of the main critiques for the show when it came out Mm -hmm. that it was glamorizing suicide Mm -hmm. and so um how suicide someone dying by suicide doesn't necessarily mean they'll get revenge 
for all the people who bullied them or all the people who wronged them. And I think that's where the tapes became controversial in the media Mm -hmm. um, because of the message that some teenagers or some children or uh, someone, a young adult, was receiving. Right. Yeah. So what you're referring to is the story of Hannah Baker, which is like kind of the main character, right? Yes. And how when she dies by suicide, she leaves behind these tapes um, that kind of explain and connect her actions of suicide and her ultimate decision to people, maybe placing blame on certain people and how that made her react a certain way. And how that eventually led her to commit suicide. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What do you think about the viewing conditions? So we talked about, like, you know, Netflix monitoring, parents and caregivers monitoring the account. Um, But if a child or teenager, young adult really wants to see this, or a person who has lived experience with sexual assault or depression or suicide, and they're like, you know what, I really want to watch 13 Reasons Why, what do you think they should do? I think binge-watching, which is what most people do, is not optimal for the show. Mm -hmm. Um, I think taking it one episode at a time would be really helpful, and having that trusted person that you can talk to or you can rely on if it were to trigger something or it would scare you at some point like this hasn't happened to me but like for example if it's a young child does does this happen in high school like that would be so scary so having that trusted adult um that you can confide in that you can ask questions i think ultimately that would be the best thing for a viewer because if they're gonna see it anyways this is a pl- this is opening up like a lot of topics that people don't usually talk about. Yeah, these are kind of things that people have been silent about or um, are taboo things, right? Even though they do happen in society, but we just don't have open conversations about like or dinner table conversations about attempted suicide or things like that. So, correct. I think it's a good idea to have the trusted person near you, the trusted adult. Um, somebody who can like debrief with you like Mm -hmm. after the episode like what were some of the really disturbing things about this or what were some of the things that maybe weren't as realistic or um if something like this were to happen like who would you go report that to or who would you talk to or um the way that adult in the show handled it maybe wasn't the best so let's talk about in real life what an adult would do with that information so like having that person who has that like wisdom and like patience to talk about that with the person who watches it mm-hmm. I think is a good idea yeah definitely I also wanted to kind of talk about like the crisis information what I think now on Netflix if you go and open 13 reasons why it shows you on the left side like options like episodes and seasons and then at the bottom it says something like crisis information or resources something like that it's kind of like in the corner of the screen like i don't know if you think it's sufficient i don't think so but what do you think so it would be nice to have like the number Mm -hmm. or hotline um available like right before the show starts um, and after, now they have it, but if you watched it originally when it came out, 
those things were not in place. No, they so weren't. The, mm-hmm. the show would just start, and just like any other show on Netflix, you would just watch the episode, and then it would go on to the next one. Mm-hmm. But now, the way they've, like, in hindsight, I guess, um, now they've added these, um, the crisis info at the beginning, and then the crisis info at the end before the new episode starts. Oh, I see. So that, I think that has been helpful. Yeah. I think they also even have, like, a separate episode, right? Like, that you can watch. Uh Where the actors talk about... The, like, like, one-minute excerpts? Mm -hmm. Is it that one? I think so. okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then they talk about, like, this can be strong content, like, reach out if you need somebody, or... Oh, yeah. Something Um, like that? Like, at the beginning, it doesn't come out in every single one of them. Mm -hmm. Um, At least not for me, but... I'm like, Netflix is weird, because it depends on what you watch it, that those things will come out. Mm -hmm. Like, if you watch it on a phone, it might not, but then if you watch it on TV, it will. And so, like, I don't know what their algorithm is for that, or how they determine that. That's true, because even when I watch it, like, on my Roku versus, like, a regular TV or whatever, Mm -hmm. it changes it. So, like, the way things pop up are different. So, maybe they, maybe they should have, like, a more uniform way to convey like the information so here's the 1-800 number here's the website you need to go to Mm -hmm. um somehow make it clickable i don't know if that's possible like on tablets or computers that would be really good i don't because it's not clickable right now Mm -hmm. and i'm sure with all the technology like they can make it clickable or Mm -hmm. something but um yeah, maybe having the resources be a little bit more obvious. Yes. Do you think that it would be necessary to... Because we talked about how you can be an adult and get triggered by this, right? Um, it would be necessary for Netflix to kind of speak to that, too. Like, these are some things that could be triggering or, like, trigger warning. And, like, it's for anybody, not just young children. True. Like, and be careful with what you watch. Stop. Push stop if you cannot handle it. Like, be more explicit, maybe? Yes. And there's, like, a a message at the beginning that says, like, for a mature audience. But then people usually tend to skip that part because they're like, oh, for a mature audience. Oh, that's fine. Like, like a horror film or something like that. Mm -hmm. And this is very different um, than, than that like, than the horror films that are rated, like, for a mature audience or other things like that. And so, yeah, I think, like, for it being more direct, like, if you, like, please pause at any time or something, mm-hmm. I don't know how it would, we would convey that information or how Netflix could. Right. I, I did visit the website, like, the 13reasonswhy.info, I think it yes. is. Uh-huh. Um, and there's a downloadable, like, watching guide, right? And so I read through it, but I think the thing that I have an issue with about that is that you have to go to the website, download the guide, print it out, and then use it while you're watching it with your trusted adult or trusted person. So I don't know how many people are going to actually... Go through the trouble. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, not really accessible. The content is accessible, but the resources are not accessible. And I don't think that's necessarily fair. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so I realized that, <laughs> I mean, this podcast, it's called Through the Eyes of a Therapist. We talk about things through a mental health lens, through a therapy lens. And so I just want to remind people, I'm not like a crotchety old woman, like, <laughs> against this content. Like, I think it's important content. I think that, um, like I said before, it could be realistic. Um and it can open up a lot of conversations. But I think, like, because it's so sensitive and strong, as a therapist, I just feel a little hesitant about, like, who consumes it. Just things like that. I don't know. Yes, I agree with you. And I've, I've seen it in practice with my clients. Um, how yeah, they that's were a good not point. the appropriate people to be watching the show. As young as 10. Yeah, so let's talk about that. Like, how did it impact your clients, or how does it still impact your clients? So, I have a few clients who were impacted by watching um, either season one or season two of the show, or binge-watching it without adult supervision. Mm -hmm. And so, it led to different things. Um, For some clients, it led to nightmares Mm -hmm. um, after watching this, and feeling like they had experienced what went on on the show, especially the sexual assault. Oh, wow. Uh So um, they truly believed that something like this had happened to them because they were watching this content. And um, that was very impactful. I... I, That was surprising to me um, to have dissociated and really thought that that had happened. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, To the point where it was, like, real for them. Yes. Um, like secondary trauma or like vicarious trauma or something just by right. watching it. Mm-hmm. And so thinking like that was me, but it really wasn't. It was just the show because it was so realistic. Yes. Yeah, definitely. And um, I had a few other clients that because of the original scene of the suicide attempt, well, suicide, going through with the suicide, Hannah Baker um, slits her wrist in the show. Um, I think it's like the last episode of season one or before the last episode. I I don't recall the order. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, the original scene was there. And it was too much. Right? From my perspective. Um, And so I had a few clients because of that scene actually attempt suicide. Hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think in my experience, we'll go back to the suicide scene right now because that's a really important point we need to talk about. Um, But in my experience with clients, um, I think enough of them had kind of like this combined or collective experience of like getting triggered, especially by the suicide scene and thinking about how their own depression has always kind of pushed them towards that. And then they chose not to um, or they have attempted, but were never able to complete suicide. And so that was really difficult for them to watch. Um, I think the sexual assault scenes for some of my clients were really, um, impacting, not to the point of, I don't, I don't think they mentioned anything like your clients did, but I think mentioning how they just could not believe that that happened and they felt so helpless and how it brought up, brought up really strong emotion. Like they were super connected with that character or those characters. And they were like, I cannot believe that that can happen. And so, I mean, it was an opportunity to talk about, like, safety and, like, process those things with those clients. But 
why? Like, why do we even have to go there? <laughs> you yeah. Know? If they would have just, like, either not seen it or stayed away. Um, I don't know. I mean, yeah. So some of the referrals that I received were because of the attempted suicide. Oh. Um, and so, like, some of these referrals said, watch 13 Reasons Why. And, like, literally, that's what the referral said. Mm -hmm. And so that's how much it has impacted the people that we serve. Um, and so you're right. Why? Why, like, did this terrible, like, thing, like, a reaction had to happen to them, like, based on the show that now this is why we're talking about it instead of implementing, like, the safety, like, at the schools or, like, at home, having an open conversation. So, I mean, it could be argued, like, both ways. Like, the show had very strong content, yes, but also it opened up conversation with parents because parents were also not aware or, like, in some ways, like, weren't talking about these things that are still taboo. Mm -hmm. Like suicide. Yeah, it could be argued that, like, the show did a service by, like, exposing us all to that, to, like, force us to see it. Like, mm -hmm. this is something that could potentially happen to your kid or that is happening in schools and we need to talk about it. And so it kind of, like, forces us to look at the dark side of things that could happen. Um, it makes me think of what you were talking about right now, like the suicide scene, how recently, like really recently, right? Like two, a few weeks ago? Yeah, a Even? few weeks uh -huh. ago, they decided to do away with the actual suicide scene. So how does that work now? It just like skips over it or like... So what happens is that originally, um, Hannah Baker, the main character, um, it shows like her entire plan of like buying the blades, um, how she's going to do it. The scene goes into, like, her looking at herself in the mirror, going into the shower, the bathtub, prepping everything, and actually doing the, the action, right? And so um, then now it doesn't, it skips over the part where she's in the tub and she slit her wrist. Um, it goes... It's just like, um, and there's no planning. Like, I'm gonna, I believe they removed also the, I have to buy this and that for it. Oh, like, what supplies do I need? Uh -huh. Yeah, the, the plan part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now it goes into her looking at herself in the mirror. And then the scene where her parents find her. Mm. But you don't actually see Hannah Baker anymore when they find her. Because originally you would see how, like, they try to pull her out of the bathtub. Mm -hmm. And there's, like, blood everywhere, and it's it was very hard to watch. Yeah, that's a really graphic scene. Mm -hmm. I think that's, like, burned into my memory. Yes. I don't know if it's that way for you, too. Same way. Um, and I think we're both, you know, mature, um, we would be considered educated adults. Like We would be considered the mature audience to watch this. Right. We're prepared. I mean, we went to school. For this. this. <laughs> exactly. We pr we try to prevent suicide every day. Like, it's part of our job. We know how to look for signs and symptoms. And still, even, like, that is, like, burned into our brains. Like, so can you imagine, like, the untrained eye, the adolescent, the vulnerable adolescent who's maybe been contemplating suicide, um, 
or like a young child who stumbled across the episode somehow and then got to watch that whole scene like that can be that could have a lot of implications like clinically um yeah yeah because even as a educated mature adults in psychology you know like this is what we do every day i was shocked when i watched the scene absolutely absolutely it was like oh my god what just happened um yeah really hard to watch definitely i think the sexual assault scene too mm-hmm. where i think the characters are um it's bryce walker he's mm-hmm. the um he assaults hannah and then he assaults um Jessica mm-hmm. in another scene. I think even those were difficult to watch. Definitely. Yeah. 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 I feel like um, those scenes, though, weren't removed, right? No. Like the sexual assault ones. They have not been removed. Yeah. I wonder what they're going to do about that. I don't know. And they're graphic. They are graphic. But then it makes me think about, like, how our culture is like there's like pornoization of like our culture and maybe like sexual things are like more acceptable than like other things i don't know i would say it could probably that's another episode (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i mean i feel like taking out that part of 13 reasons why season one was probably a good idea because i don't think it's necessary for people to understand that but like we said earlier we could argue for the fact that like it's forcing us to watch how somebody can plan a suicide and maybe a parent watches it or something and they're like oh my god my my kid's been collecting like razor blades or like just other little odd like nuances or like body language things or just things that they see in their teenager but then it could also make the parent like hyper vigilant right like when yes like uh, you can't lock your door anymore like i need to be watching you at all times um like overreact the other way yes um however even though we've argued like the pros and the cons of this show that scene i don't think it was necessary originally Mm mm-hmm yeah. And I'm glad they removed it. Yeah, yeah. Just all of the... The planning mm-hmm. of it. Um, that caused... Which is a good thing. Um, it caused us to do a lot of safety planning and session with a lot of my clients. And so that part it helped. But then originally they got the idea from the show. And so it didn't really help. Because oh. they got the idea of the razor blades and all of these things. Mm-hmm. Like hiding like like it had a copycat effect kind of thing yes like otherwise they wouldn't have had a plan maybe or they wouldn't have known how to access the means true Uh right and then they saw the show and they're like oh i can just go to the dollar store or whatever get some blades or anything like that so it had it's like totally a double-edged sword kind of thing Yes. It's so controversial. I was like, we need to do the episode about this because there's, like, so much to talk about. Um, So the other thing I think I wanted to talk about is, oh, we talked about how it impacted our clients. Um, I don't know. Do you have any other thoughts on um, maybe the show and how it impacted you as a therapist and, like, how you practice or like um you know we talked about how the scene of 
Hannah Baker dying by suicide is like burned into our brains, but do you think it had some sort of like lasting impact on your practice or anything like that? It definitely made made me realize how many um, children are watching these shows unsupervised. And so I mm. made it a point to ask my clients, like, hey, by any chance, like, what have you been watching on Netflix? Like, you know, trying to connect, build that rapport, mm-hmm. but also trying to see if they had been exposed to it and if they had to make sure that we could create a safe environment so that they could talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the way it impacted me as a therapist. Yeah, that's a good idea. It, it makes me think of, like, when I talk to some of my clients even now. I mean, 13 Reasons Why is probably one of the most, like, controversial shows on Netflix. But um, there is more. But there are more. <laughs> yeah, and so I feel like watching it, although it was disturbing, I feel like I had to know what was in there because... Mm-hmm. I wanted to be prepared. Like, if a client is like, you know that scene where that guy rapes that girl or whatever, I'm not going to be like, oh, no, I never watched it. What are you talking about? Like, no, I understand, <laughs> like, the gravity and the level of how graphic that is and, like, why they would want to bring that up in session. So yes. it's like I'm glad I saw it, but I'm also kind of like, well, you can't unsee it. Yes. Um, and it was disturbing, but... So um, did you watch it after the fact or when it first came out i saw when it first came out okay okay Mm -hmm. i know a lot of people didn't want to watch it and so Mm -hmm. because um the thought at first like at least within the colleagues that i had at that time it was more like oh no i hear it glorify suicide like i don't think people should be watching that that was like very like a common topic and Mm -hmm. i'm like "Mm, well i think it's important that we watch it (laughs) Because the children are going to be watching it. The adolescents, the young adults. That's so true. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. Like, having a stance on it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I I was just curious and I wanted to watch it. And then I thought, like, I'm glad I'm watching this, as disturbing as it is. Because, you know, like you said, the kids are going to watch it. And I want to know what they're referencing. But I know colleagues even, like, now who haven't watched it or, like, refuse to watch it. But... Not because of those reasons where it's like, oh, it glorifies suicide, but because it's triggering for them. Like, yeah, that's true. They're therapists. They hear stuff like this every day. They don't want to come home and watch 13 Reasons Why and, like, live it all over again in a fake show, you know? Like, yeah. So I get it. Like, it's totally triggering and no judgment, right? Like, right. if you can't, I mean, then don't. <laughs> some of the... Some of the the episodes I was like crying I found myself crying because Mm -hmm. they were so strong yeah and so some of those scenes were really hard to watch and it like brings up stuff like you're like why am I crying but then you're like this is really impactful right absolutely I want to shift the conversation a little bit to like some of the characters and Mm -hmm. um because we've talked about the content and like um, just the impact it's had, but it, is there, like, a character that you feel, like, stood out to you? I really like... Alex Stendhal? Yeah, I mean, also, but I'm watching season two. I can't remember how active he was in season one. He was, um, best friends with Hannah. Okay. And, like, that was kind of his role, and then him dating Jessica. Right, okay. And then that betrayal... 
Yeah, I think I... I don't want to talk about it then, because then it's, like, season two stuff. But um, the other person is Clay, right? Like, yes. I just feel bad for him. So, I feel so I just, bad for Clay. <laughs> like, there he is, minding his own business, kind of living his teenage life, like, has a crush on this girl, has a part-time job, like, doing the best he can to survive as Keeping a teenager. Keeping to himself, like, trying right. not to have conflict with anybo- anyone. Yeah. And then... Like... All hell breaks loose and it he explodes. Gets his <laughs> yes, exactly. I feel so bad for him. Um, I so I think he's an important character because it can kind of, I mean, it kind of shows like you can be minding your own business, like not to scare the crap out of people, <laughs> right? Like you're gonna go into high school and you're gonna like mind your own business, and then somebody's gonna like leave you some evidence. Like that's probably not very realistic, but. I just think, like, wow, like, the bystander kind of person can even be impacted by a suicide. I'm like, I don't know. So it makes us talk about mindfulness and to, like, notice how, like, sometimes it doesn't matter, like, how little or how much you do to a person, but more overall that what they're going through, you don't know how what you're going to say or what you're going to do is going to impact them. Mm-hmm. Because Clay didn't do a lot. Like, there's a scene where they're walking, and, like, Hannah expected a kiss. And then Clay's just, like, gets on his bike and leaves. And then, so she felt like she wasn't, like, good enough Mm -hmm. for that, for him or for that relationship or for that kiss. Mm -hmm. Like, she was like, why can't I be that girl? But then, like, you see Clay, who's awkward, and he's just like, I don't know what to do, like... Like, to him, it was, like, nothing. He's, like, a clueless teenage boy. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. That, and it makes sense that that's where the controversy comes from, right? Like, how can you really blame, like, just one person or even a group of people for, like, a suicide? Like, can you really do that? Because there's so much more context and, like, people living their own lives and their personalities and, like, this awkward kid's not going to kiss the girl and, like is he really to blame for, like, the suicide, you know? So, oh, man. I don't know. So, what, like, what character would you choose that you feel? So, like you, I liked Clay a lot. Um, Another character that I thought had an important story, and they're kind of related, is both Sherry and Jeff. So, why I like Jeff is because he pushes Clay, um, a lot. So, while well, he was alive, um, spoilers. <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert. If you haven't seen it, we're going to totally spoil it. Yeah. Um, so, Jeff pushes Clay to be um, more open and to pursue Hannah. Um, and throughout the tapes, you can see how Clay is getting closer to Hannah or like building up the courage because of Jeff. Mm-hmm. And so then. <laughs> Sherry um, is doing an act of kindness and driving Hannah while Hannah is drunk and she got drunk at a high school party and so Sherry drives Hannah and then she looks away for a second and she bumps into the stop sign the stop sign comes down and Sherry's scared like any teenager could be like you don't know if it's like a misdemeanor a felony like you're just scared that your parents are gonna get like so mad at you for busting something Mm -hmm. and so then sherry like takes off 
and doesn't call the police because she's scared. Mm-hmm. And so that stop sign not being there, and Jeff not knowing there was a stop sign and just going through the the street um, cost him his life. Right? So mm-hmm. in some ways, Sherry was responsible for that. Mm-hmm. And so she, we see Sherry living with this guilt. and But she was very brave and had the courage to call and turn herself in and report her crime mm-hmm. at the end of season one. Yeah. And, but throughout all this time, she's helping the elderly couple that Jeff hit when he ran the stop sign. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, has been a caretaker for them and been in their lives as a support. Um, the elderly couple doesn't know why, but Sherry's trying to make amends for herself, mm-hmm. for what happened, and for her decision of not calling the police and not living out the consequences. And possibly, um, we can never know like what the future holds, but she feels guilty, like, what if I had would have called and then none of this would have happened? Right. Yeah. That's a really interesting story. I think um, the first season is full of, like, several Mm storylines. And so I think um, each one brings its own, like, little controversy or its own, like, little topic. Um, And so definitely that one is, like, hard lessons learned, like, by a teenager and, like a life was lost and like that's relatable for some people like that's something that could you know totally happen or has happened Mm -hmm. um so yeah the what character do you think is like maybe the most relatable or has the most like realistic story because we've already talked about how some of this is a little glorified or sensationalized or a little exaggerated but what do you think? Like, which character do you think has, like, the potential to be kind of real? I would say Jessica Davis. I um, totally agree with you. That's my answer. <laughs> <laughs> That's my answer, too. Yeah. I would say because she is, um, first she was new at Liberty High. And so she was trying to fit in like any other teenager would. So she started off with a friend that was Hannah. So the counselor kind of, like, just called them in, like, both of you are new. Like, you can be friends. That's not how it works, but the counselor was trying at the time. Yeah. So so then they become friends, but then Jessica quickly learns that, like, oh, like, the Liberty High is ruled by the athletes, and, like, that's the group that I want to be in. And Mm -hmm. so she joins, like, the cheerleading team, starts dating the jock, like... She goes to parties, she drinks a little too much, at one of the parties that she's hosting, it's her house, she feels, I guess, comfortable to be, like, drinking, I mean, she feels safe in her house, and then she's with her boyfriend, her boyfriend steps out, and then something tragic happens, and I think it happens a lot, and it's very underreported. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's why that her story is so relatable because I think um, that kind of thing, like a sexual assault at a party, um, could be really common. Like, I've heard countless stories, like, from clients about things like that. Um, 
even like in my own college years hearing other people talk about like what happened at a party and I'm like that's kind of questionable that sounds a little funky like I don't think that should have happened and maybe it's just not reported yeah so I think also her like reaction to it afterwards I feel like are pretty legitimate like the way they portrayed right like so being in denial yeah like all that I think the denial part is definitely accurate. Mm-hmm. Like, she was also intoxicated, right? And so she wanted to believe that she knew something had happened. Mm-hmm. Because she asked Justin, like, hey, what happened after? And he's like, oh, we were getting into it, but then we fell asleep. And then she's like, that. she makes, she creates a story for herself. Mm-hmm. Like, kind of as a defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. Like, this is how I'm going to protect myself. And so... She's like, no, that's what happened. He would have told me. He's my boyfriend. Mm -hmm. Like, putting this blind trust on someone Mm -hmm. that you already feel safe with. Mm -hmm. And so then her um, just being in denial about it, like, throughout the season. And when Clay finally gets to the tapes, she starts questioning it. Mm. And she starts coping. And she starts coping through the use of alcohol. And Mm -hmm. drugs Mm -hmm. that are easily accessible to her some way or another. Mm -hmm. And even, like, one of the scenes, you see, like, all these liquor bottles underneath her bed. Right, yeah, I remember that. And then, like, the water bottle filled with vodka that she takes to school. And so she starts engaging in, like, a lot of risk-taking behaviors, aside from the coping Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. the alcohol. Yeah. Yeah, and I I definitely think that um, how it went not reported and how that possibly could be a really common reaction or a reaction maybe not common but I've definitely heard that in my time as a therapist like how people don't report stuff or they drop charges or like redact is that the word or yes yeah Uh like take back a claim of sexual assault or whatever and so I think it's interesting to see this character go through all that and I think her story is really important. So, I don't know. I, I feel like they got that one pretty accurate. Like, that was a really accurate portrayal yes. of, like, a victim or a survivor, right? So, she actually, like, did an interview, the actress. Um, mm-hmm. And she talked about how, in order to play her character, she studied PTSD on sexual uh, assault survivors and how that helped her go through all these faces because um, she said that the script um, it just wasn't enough for her to be able to portray and realistically like be true to what people may go through or experience Mm -hmm. and so she extensively researched PTSD and like interviewed interviewed survivors yeah Mm -hmm. smart yeah she did a good job when 13 reasons why I was released you hear more, like, suicide attempts or, like, completed suicides. And we were talking earlier about, like, an article that you had found about, like, correlation and causation. So I think that's a good thing to talk about. Yeah, so um, UPenn did a study in which they asked or surveyed people about suicide thoughts, um, attempts, and plans. And so they noticed there was a correlation in April of um, 2017 
that all of those things elevated, right? So like the rates were higher, um, but then in May, all of that came back to normal. Hmm. And so then to the normal rates that were pre-established in February, right? If we're going by the show, by Mm -hmm. the timeline of the show. And so then there was a correlation after the show, but it's not the cause of it. So we could, we wouldn't be able to say, and the study didn't find that because 13 reasons why it was released. That's why there was more suicide attempts or, um, suicide plans or ideations. It was more like, this is what happened, but there could have been other factors. So if you're only looking at one factor, which is a TV show, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be realistic, um, to, co- to say that that caused the elevated rates. Because it was also April, which means there's, like, finals and there's a lot of other, like, end-of-year testing. And there could be many other factors or things happening around that time Mm -hmm. that could have elevated those rates. Right. Like, other risk factors that would cause somebody to have suicidal thoughts or attempts. Correct. Um, It just happened to be right around that same time. Yes. So it would be kind of, like, misleading to think, like, oh, the release of 13 Reasons Why caused this, like, uptick in, like, suicide attempts or suicides or Correct. Like so that. there was a correlation but not a causation. And mm-hmm. so we wouldn't be able to say that this show caused higher um, rates of uh, suicide or attempts or ideation. But what we can say is that it has open the conversation with um, school professionals like um, school counselors any other professionals in the mental health teachers parents and so that is really where we can take the positive um, aspect of the show like to talk about it to open those conversations yeah do you think that if they would have made the show and the characters and the storylines a little more muted that it would have had the same effect? Or did they have to go that far, like, to that level of portrayal to, like, get attention and bring awareness to mental health? So, it's funny that you say that because I think it was based on the platform that it was put on, on Netflix. Mm. I really do think it's that Mm -hmm. because... So, I'm going to reference another show which is shameless and it does a great job of portraying bipolar disorder Mm. like a really good job it's accurate like a lot like more than any other show Mm. and so that i've watched and so um people don't really talk about that show why because it's not easily accessible I see. Okay. Mm-hmm. So maybe it doesn't have to do with the way they created and directed and shot the content. It was more like we released it on a wider streaming service yes. and it got seen a lot more, like a lot more exposure. Yes. Okay. Because Shameless is now on Netflix, right? Parts of it, yes. Parts of it. Oh, interesting. So not like the full seasons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. But when it first came out... It's originally a Showtime um, show, so um, there's not a lot of talking about it, like like with 13 Reasons Why. Mm -hmm. And so there's also a suicide scene that is very impactful. Wow. 
and shameless. And so I wonder why that really didn't come up. Was it because the suicide scene was because it was with an older adult or what's the reason? Mm -hmm. I think it's the audience and the streaming service. Yeah, that's a good point. I think we can allude to our um, season two episode that um, gun violence. Um, It doesn't play a big part in season one. But it does come up towards the end with Tyler. And I think Tyler is going to be a, a character we can focus on during the next episode. For the next episode. Okay. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So then we will come back with an episode about season two of 13 Reasons Why in a couple weeks. So thank you, Andrea. Now, thank you, Crystal, for inviting me. Of course. This was fun. It was... It's hard to talk about because it's such like a like a downer kind of show. It's not like a comedy or like something funny like with freaking Will Ferrell or something. It's yes. like 13 Reasons Why. But um, I think it's interesting to hear like the mental health spin on it and like two therapists talk about it. Like, that's pretty cool. I enjoyed it. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you again, Andrea, for coming on to the podcast and discussing such important, relevant topics and for, you know, watching all three seasons of 13 Reasons Why. We'll be picking up with a few other episodes about season two and season three of 13 Reasons in a few episodes in a couple weeks. So stay tuned for that. Again, thank you for your patience, my listeners. Um, I know that some of my content has been stretched out over the last couple of weeks just because of my newborn, but I promise that I will continue to bring you high-quality content on Through the Eyes of a Therapist podcast. Again, thanks for listening to the podcast, and if you have any questions or newborn parenting tips, send them to hello at through the eyes of a therapist.org. I'm Crystal Martinez Acosta. Until next time.